Welcome back to the Action Driven Podcast. In today's episode, Ross and I talk about how we price our digital products. We talk about the different tactics, the different approaches that we take, and we break down the way that you can go about it when you're trying to think about pricing your own digital product. Let's get started. So this weekend, I made a decision. I made a decision that I was going to buy a new book, um, and I bought two. I bought a book via Amazon that was a hardcover. It's about estate planning. So as we went through COVID, I had a lot of thoughts around what's the end of life look like, blah, blah, blah. How do I make sure that all of my wills and all that stuff is in order? So I bought one book that is dedicated to like figuring out how do you structure everything to make sure that your kids are good when you're done and that you pass off things. Then I bought another book, which was about real estate. Uh, mainly because I've never really been into real estate outside of buying my own home. But it's always been something I'm interested in and thinking about as it relates to like, what does it look like to run a rental property? What does it look like to have somebody as a tenant? And what goes into that? That book in particular, though, I bought online. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. The book that I bought that was physical was about $30, but the digital book that I bought was only like $10. So completely different. Um, And what I'm wondering is when it comes to digital products versus physical products, there's a lot of psychology, there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of things that go into this idea of holding a physical copy of a book. You can see beside me, I have currently a bunch of books beside me. If you are a book geek, you probably like and enjoy having physical books, but there is a massive demand for digital content and digital information. And over the last few years, I've been able to sell books that are purely digital pixels, PDFs, et cetera, and have been able to generate decent revenue on the back of them. Um, And in this episode, what we want to talk about is how you price your products digitally. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people often make is they think that because it is digital, it has to be priced cheaply and it has to be priced at a low price point. That's not always the case. And my hope is that we can dive into this. So as someone who has done a ton in this world, I would love to get your take on your perspective on how and where you should start when you are figuring out how you should price a digital asset that you and your team have created. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, Number one, I'm going to need that link to the first book you mentioned. I will send it to you. (laughs) I'm now freaking out. I will flip it to Um, you. But to your question, I think when I first started out, I actually started with bigger digital products. My first thing I did, I think I spoke about this before, is my course. That was like my Hail Mary. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Let's just put something out. And I actually recall pricing it at a very low price for a course. Right. How Um, much I priced it before going live. I was going to price it at like $200. Okay. Because I I was like, who's... I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to buy a course from me. Right. Um, and Joe, Joanna Weeb was like, hell no, <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> um, so we launched with um, 997 people bought the course. So that was a good price. That's awesome. And I think I love the question because I think in order to price your product, you actually have to go back to your goal. First of all, I think some of the digital products that people sell are for selling. So mm. obviously you always want to make money. But sometimes it's in order to get people 
to take a first step with you, to kind of onboard them onto this customer journey, get them to know you, build the trust. It could even start with a free lead magnet and then slowly kind of ease you in to buying from them. So sometimes it's not about having something that's at a high price point, but actually having like an entry price point. I think it really depends on what it is. And a digital product can be a book, which by the way, I've actually spent on digital books sometimes even more than I would on a hard copy, which is weird, right? Like prices really do vary. And I think that, so number one is your goal. What are you trying to achieve? But I also think, and this is a good thing, but also a bad thing. I also think depending on your authority and where you are, you can play around with the price. True. So it's always about the value. And we can, yeah. of course, dive into that because you know how big I am on all that. Yeah, for sure. But some people can charge 2K for a course. Some people can charge one. Some people can charge $50 for a template. And some people yep. will charge 100 yep. So I think it also depends on who you are, the authority that you've established, and assuming that you are providing a ton of value. Does that make let's sense? Let's try to quantify. Yeah. Let's try to quantify some of this authority stuff because I think a lot of people have difficulty figuring out when they have authority. Like it's such a vague idea. So if you have 200 followers, are you an authority? Where? On Twitter. Let's say you have 200 followers on Twitter. Are you now an authority to charge 2,500 bucks for a course? Let me take the conversation away from social media. I mean, maybe, maybe if you are an Instagram, whatever, and you have 10,000 people following you, maybe. Yeah, right. Um, But I actually follow someone on Instagram. She has like a million people and she sells funny templates for the house. Yeah. It's really funny signs for like $10. I think when I say authority, it is your credentials for the work that you have put in, mm-hmm. in your work, right. um, the work that you've done, the people that you've had an impact on. Yeah. And yes, sometimes it is about where you've spoken and where you've written, what publications you've written for, or companies you've advised for or worked yeah. for. So I don't think it has to be how many followers you have. Yeah. Yeah. I think. No, that's fair. I agree. I think um, followers can definitely play a role. But again, if you have 10,000, 100,000 followers, but nobody actually cares about what you have to say, it doesn't matter, right? Like you need to ensure that there's people who actually love and adore what you do and believe in what you say. That's more important, I would say. Like at the end of the day, there was an influencer again on Instagram a while back and she put up this post about how she wanted folks to support this GoFundMe that she was running. And I think she made like, $200, like no, she, but she had millions of followers and she was like, why aren't my millions of followers like donating to me? And the reason why is because they didn't actually feel like they had a connection to them. They didn't feel like they had a human bond or a relationship that was strong. So when it comes to authority, I think that authority comes from actually building up a community and people who trust what you say. That could be through relationships. It's relationships. It could be through a newsletter. It could be through your tweets and making sure you respond back. It could be Facebook groups, whatever. It's actually having a strong community. Um, And thinking about it kind of like fans. Like there's that old Kevin Kelly, I believe, who coined that idea of a thousand fans. Like you want yeah. that thousand true fans before you start to make this idea of like, what does my authority look like? So 
When it does come from the pricing standpoint, I think another piece that's important is that different types of things are going to be priced differently, right? Like if you are selling a funny template for around the house, $10 makes sense. Like it's a clever light. You have to still print it off. You can put them around the house. That can be relatively $10 cost or a filter that you're going to sell for people to use on their Instagram. Again, spend $10 on something like that and it can be relatively cheap. But if you're going to sell someone something that has the ability to fundamentally change their life or their career or the way that their marriage, their parenting skills, et cetera, the price point goes up. Like the value is more, right? Like if you can say to someone, if you buy this course, you will be able to sleep eight hours a night every single night and your kid's going to too. Sign, sign me up. up. Sign me <laughs> up, right? Like <laughs> sign me up. How much? Like let's go. Let's wait. Right. But then what, what you're saying though is the more value you provide, the more you can you know, you can increase the price. And I agree with that. And I also think it depends on not just the value that you're providing, but how much work or labor you're either putting on yourself or you're putting on them. And funnily enough, we have, I think, five email sequences that I've templatized into one kind of bundle. And I Mm. think we sell it for like $97. It literally is you download them, you fill in the blanks, and you can send them out. And these are sales emails, webinar emails, all that good stuff. But they're priced for 97 and they're like easy. But for a course, like my 12-week program that's coming out, there are two tiers there. There's like $1,000 and there's $2,000. And a lot of the work is on them, funnily enough, because they have to do a ton of work. But the amount of work I'm putting in to creating Mm. this is huge. And the support with the community. So I also think the price point should also depend on how much work you put on them and how much work you put on, you have to provide after selling or putting all this product together. That's fair. That makes sense. I agree. I think that's, um, that's also important. It feels like there's so many different variables that go into pricing and it makes sense why it's such a complex decision when you're pricing a digital product. Um, because at the end of the day, it's going to differ for every person who's selling something different. A hundred percent. As we were talking, I thinking, what's the best way to get started? Say you have a product and you have no idea how to price it. The number one thing I do is look at competition, right? Mm. I mean, what a competition doing? And then you have to ask yourself, and I know that the go-to is like, okay, I'm going to sell this for less. Right. I wouldn't actually go that route, yeah. maybe depending on how you want to brand yourself. Right. But looking at competition and looking at different industries yep. to see what the pricing points are, right. I think that would be a good start. Yep. Um, so that's number one. The other thing I would say for me, colleagues and peers taking a look at my work has always been like having that soundboard. I mentioned Joanna, but I, you know, you and I have also done this before. Like, Hey, take a look at this, take a look at that. Just getting feedback from people is, has been, you know, very, very helpful um, to figure out pricing. And the third thing is that I would say, don't be too worried about the price point because number one, 
it's never about the price. It's about the value that you're providing and you being able to show people the value. And number two, you can always increase or decrease the price. True. Exactly. That's a great point. Like you can update and change and modify your price as much as you would like over the course of the years, because somebody who comes across it in 2025 may not have seen the launch that you did in 2022. So if you priced it at 597 one year, and then you reduced it to 300, and then you bought, shot it back up to 850, like no one is going to be sitting there watching you so closely that they're waiting to see like, what are you doing? How are your pricing? Like it's not happening. Uh, So I think that's a, that's a really, really important point. One other factor is I think when you look at the different topics that can be covered and the audiences that you're going after, certain people are going to be less likely to swipe a credit card on a certain asset. So if you are positioning your product and creating an asset for a certain group, you have to make sure that this audience is actually familiar and comfortable paying for a digital course or training or template, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, there's so many variables sometimes when you're selling to like a organization or a CMO or somebody who's an executive where they might not view this as being worth investing in because it's too cheap. Like they might actually say, hey, we're only investing in something that's going to be a 10 grand price point or a $200 a month subscription. Like there's a lot of variables that go into upfront spending time doing the research to see like, is my buyer actually going to swipe the credit card on this? And then also asking yourself, is my buyer actually struggling from this pain to the point where they're willing to pay? That's the other question. Yes. A hundred percent. You know, at the end of the day, it's always about solving someone's pain and being able to show them that this is the right solution for them. So I'm wondering, how did you choose the price point for your product? Distribution challenge. Yeah. So with that, um, we priced it based off of like past experience with launches, et cetera. uh, And we kind of just shot ran with that thinking this is a price point where our audience is probably able to pull the trigger on it's very much a personal driven i want to grow offering where somebody says i want to improve my understanding of distribution thus i want to enroll or i want to enroll my team in this program and i'm going to enroll them into it so With all of that, we recognized, okay, this isn't going to be something that we can price to a point where the CEO needs to approve the budget and this is going to be a 10 grand Mm. challenge. We need to price this at a point where somebody can say, okay, one, I can either use my own professional development budget that my boss gives me to swipe the card. Or if I'm a founder, I can swipe my card on this and think, yeah, this is going to be a worthy investment. So that's kind of where our mindset was at. When I first got into pricing digital products, it would have been back in 2014 on Gumroad. And when I was on Gumroad in the early days, I always resorted to choose your own price. I always resorted to choose your own price. And the reason wasn't very strategic. It was solely based in fear and the inability to say, I believe this thing is worth value. You tell me what you think my assets are worth. I don't think it was a great play. We probably made eight grand or so over the course of maybe two years doing it that way, because some people would download it and say, this is worth zero. This is worth 25 cents. This is worth nothing. People actually say that Oh yeah, people select their own price. So like you can go in and say, here's 50 cents, here's 75 cents. 
but then that's a psychological while, thing though it is because yeah. i actually had someone dear friend work with me once who said no i'm not gonna give you a price you decide how much to pay me and i was like oh right. no right right <laughs> you're only paid yeah. too much it like, is exactly <laughs> yeah it's so big, so true it is a big psychological game right like to have someone you get to name your price um i wouldn't recommend it for folks uh yeah. it was a cool experience but i definitely wouldn't recommend it because i don't find i didn't I don't think it's very scalable. Like one person decided they were going to pay 400 bucks for it. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. How do we get more of those? But Thanks, dad. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> so you have to be careful with it. But at the end of the day, it all starts by doing your research and understanding your audience. But that's how we came up with the pricing for distribution challenge. We did some research to it. think like who's our audience and then built it from there. Yeah. So what I'm taking from this is that when you're thinking about pricing your product, it's trial and error. You do your research, you think about your audience, the pain that you're trying to solve, the value that you're going to deliver to them. You take an educated guess. And the most important thing is not to worry about it because you can always test it and change it and, you know, come out with a sale or increase the price and say, hey, the first time was a beta. Now we're going live. There's so many ways to or admit, like I love to do, which is basically say, hey, I messed up and I have to increase the price now. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> which is something I did. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, I think that's that's the key. Um, folks, if you found value from this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast station and definitely join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups action driven podcast. We would love to see you inside. Our group is small but mighty and we would love to see you join us so we can connect with you personally and discuss future episodes, future content, etc. So hopefully we see you there. Take care.